Manchester City Continental Cup winners 2022. Hello and welcome back to MCW Fancast. My name's Emma. Thanks for listening. It's so good to be back with the podcast. Uh, I know a lot of you have been wondering where we've been, what we've been doing, what's going on. It's been a very... I'm going to say turbulent few few months, uh, but we're in a really good place now, in a really good position to bring back the podcast. Uh, you've sent some really nice messages. Uh, you've been really supportive. You've been really kind, and I really appreciate that. So thank you very much. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your understanding. We're going to be back for the rest of the season, uh, bringing you a weekly analysis recapping on the games and talking about all the latest news coming from the club as normal. For this week's episode, I'm pleased to welcome back Dave and Paul to the podcast. We'll be talking about Sunday's game against Reading, the fierce Women's Super League encounter at the Academy Stadium. With every point crucial in their season campaign, City gave their all and secured a well-deserved 4-1 victory. Looking ahead, the team faces yet another tough test as they travel to Prenton Park, home of Liverpool. It's a must-win for City if they hope to remain in contention for Champions League next season. So the stakes are high and the pressure is on. Let's get into it. Morgan and you're listening to MCW Fancast. Dave, Paul, so glad to have you back on the podcast. How are you both doing? Hi, I'm good. Yeah. Back. Good. Um, thank yeah, you so good. much for joining me. A lot to catch up on. <laughs> Apologies that it's been so long, but it's great to have you both here. Uh, we're at the business end of the campaign um, with three games left to play. How are we feeling? Dave, we'll go with you first. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy with the, you know, the way it's going. Um, I think... A few weeks ago, when we were, we were a little bit unlucky, I felt to have gone out of the FA Cup at Villa. Bit of an epic tie that night, and we were, you know, it could have gone either way, and unfortunately, you know, it went their way. After that, I looked at it and thought, well, what we need to do now is really focus on the league. And again, we went to Arsenal and played very well. And, you know, we we're very unlucky to not at least take a point that day, I felt. Um, we certainly matched them, um, you know, all the way through the game, and, and it was very unlucky, I thought. But then after that game, we knew that every single game then was a must-win, and um, it remains the that way now. We, you know, we've won the last two games at home against West Ham and Reading, which I'm sure we'll go into more detail about. Uh, and going forward, now we've got two away games: Liverpool and then a big one at United, followed by a home game at Everton. And then for us to <clears throat> really finish the season where we want to, I think you know it remains we've got to win every game. So um, that's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, definitely. And Gareth Taylor has been quite cool, calm, collected as usual. It's it's sort of controlling the controllables as always for City. And um, Paul, and how do you feel about this run of games now? Are you looking quite positive? Feeling quite positive? Well, I think I think we should win. We should beat Liverpool, who are, who are all over the place at the moment. They're struggling, and Everton, a you know a team that we beat away and and a decent side, but you know aren't great either. The key one, obviously, is the derby. Uh, that's going to be a really tough game, especially away. Uh, they're playing well, but we're playing well too. You know, if you think back to the start of the season, if you just said, "Look, we'd have just just gone out of the FA Cup in a very tough tie," as Dave rightly says, we'd have matched Arsenal blow for blow, and we'd have a really strong chance of, of not only being in the Champions League, but potentially 
and it is a slim chance winning the league, we'd have took that all day long. So what we've seen over this season, we've moved from the first game of the season, which looked like they picked 11 women from the stands to play in the team um, and complete strangers, to uh, a team that now plays exciting football, good football to watch, um, and uh, hopefully it will silence all the Gareth Taylor naysayers uh, once and for all. You know, trust the process. We've trusted the process, and look where we are now. Really good chance of being in the Champions League again, and even a, a possibility of winning the league. I think we'd have took that at the start of the season. Gareth Taylor himself, obviously recognised as Manager of the Month as well. It is he deserves the credit where it's due, really, for all the 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 sort of question marks over his tenure and and what he can do with the squad and how he can take us forward. You know, he he's really answering that in the performances and and what we're seeing with what he's doing with the squad. Yeah, well, it's like Paul says. I think at the start of the season, we all knew um, with the players that had gone out and the players that had come in, we weren't sure the quality of some of the players that come in. We haven't seen them play. Um, it was always going to be a completely transitional season in our heads at the start of the season. And I agree with Paul. I think we're ahead of that curve now. You know, we are ahead of where we probably thought we'd be this season. You know, the players that have come in have been excellent. Um you know, you look at the likes of Alexandria and um, uh, Wahabi and people like that, the, the, uh, Kasparai, they've all played the part in, in putting the team where they are and replacing, you know, the quality that we lost um, at the end of last season, which happens in football, people move on. And Gareth's a big part of that. You know, I think I'm a great believer that if you can um, get stability in, in your backroom staff, your coaching and your management, it, it breeds itself into the team. And you can bring players into play in a certain way as City play as a team. We see that right across the club in all the youth teams right the way through to the men's first team. It's the same policy has been employed here with the women. And we're now bearing the fruit. Now, we're not sure, obviously, what the end of the season is going to bring, but we're certainly challenging. And as Paul says, there's an outside chance we could win the league. There's certainly a chance of getting Champions League football right till the end. That, that'll be there. And I, you know, and I think if we're honest, we're not all sure that he would have been there um, before the ball was kicked. So yeah, great, great credit to Gareth, great credit to his staff, and great credit to the team. It's worth mentioning as well that I mean, there's been talk about Sean Gaultier and, and his influence on the team coming into Gareth Taylor's coaching staff. Paul, how do you look at that, and and how do you sort of evaluate his influence on the squad? Well, I think I think um, he, he he's very much a player that sort of underrated in, in a lot in, in in a lot of ways. You know, he's seen as sort of this sort of bright, breezy character. First thing to remember, he's done it at the highest level. He's a quality player. He's done it. He can throw his medals and his caps on the on the on the table and say, I've done it. So he, he brings that to the team. He also brings that infectious personality that obviously um everybody knows about. But I think he's 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 been brought in perhaps to create a good atmosphere, but also because he's got great knowledge of how to score goals. He's got he's banged in goals wherever he's gone. And we've got a striker now that's banging in goals for fun. She could well win the golden boot bunny. And I think working with with Sean is a brilliant idea because you know they come from a similar uh, background, they come from a similar area, culturally they understand each other, but more importantly. He knows how to score goals and he will improve her game. And I think we'll see an even better version of Bunny next season. If she's had a, you know, a few months working with him, she's going to be a better player. 
And he also brings something, I think, to the atmosphere. And one thing I want to say about the club, there seems to be a better atmosphere in the first team at the moment. There seems to be a, there seems to be a, a greater sense of unity. Perhaps some of the egos have gone. You know, when the, when you hear the players talking, they're talking about they, they, they are a team. They feel bonded. There's no egos in the, in the dressing room. They're just working together for, for, the, for the good of the team. And that, I think, John Gorton and people like that can bring even more to that atmosphere. Because ultimately, why the men's team is successful, apart from the fact they're all world-class players, is that there's no egos. They work together as a unit. And we're seeing, that's what I think has been the great thing about this season. And you, when you see that, then you see the quality coming out. You see the way they score goals. The counter-attack for the third goal at the weekend was outstanding. They knocked it forward quickly. They moved it through the phases and they scored a brilliant goal. And that comes because players trust each other, they respect each other, and they're working together. So I think Sean's going to be a fantastic addition to the team, and I think he'll make Bunny a better player. And if she's a better player, you could see her smash all the records next season in the WSL for goal scoring because she's a natural. But she, you know, she could only benefit from working with such a, an outstanding guy that's done it all and has nothing to prove. And Gary spoke about what a sort of calming influence he is around the squad. And he's, like you said, he's already, he's had that experience at, you know, all levels. And he is having a huge influential impact on not just Bunny, but other players as well. I mean, he said it's it's been a joy working with some of the best players in the world. I mean, Dave, what, what do you think about it all? I can only um, back up what Paul's just said. Sean's a, I mean, he's a city legend. He's, he's one of those players that earned the right to become, you know, to get the status that he's got. You know, he, he probably wasn't, um, when he first came to City, City weren't the team they are now. And he, he got where he was through hard work and the team got where they were through hard work and they came through the ranks. Um, and Sean was a big part of that. And one thing about Sean, he, he just has that knack of how to score goals. He always had it. Um, he scored every, I saw him score every type of goal you could imagine. Um, he, he, you know, he was just one of those players who just knew where to be. Um, and people would say, oh, well, you know, anyone should score from there. But it wasn't about that with Sean. He always knew, he had that instinct that goal scorers, proper goal scorers, had people like um, Lineker and people like that, had that knack to be in the, the right place at the right time. And I think Bunny's got that, as well as all the skill and everything. You need that that um, instinct. And working with someone like Sean's only going to ha- highlight that. It was, I, I've watched them do the drills on the pitch before, you know, before the match when he, he's taking them and I'm, I'm in shooting practice and Sean's... John's taking that now and saying, and, and you can see, you know, he's inspiring confidence in it. And as Paul says, it seems there's like a sense of fun as well, which is probably also that they're there every day in training now as well. You watch some of the training videos, you can see Sean's involved on a daily basis. Um, I think it's only it's only good, and we're seeing we're seeing the fruits of of this labour now. And uh, I mean, Buddy's been outstanding this season. She's she scored every sort of goal as well. Um, and and hopefully, you know, we can build the team around that. We've got uh, another class striker coming back to the club, I think, in, in Jess Park for next season as well. So there's another type of striker which can come back into the side that Sean could work with as well. So it, it's all good. I'm, I'm really pleased and I'm, I'm glad we're bearing fruit from it. I mean, Paul, you kind of spoke about it before, but Bunny, she is sort of having the most incredible season <laughs> um, and she is definitely in contention for that golden boot as you say uh, is it 18 goals now uh, in the league 
Uh, I think Daly's yeah. on eight, se- 17, uh, yeah. just behind. But the goals that, and opportunities that Bunny's having, I mean, I think she's the most creative player, the player with the most opportunities. I think I looked at it before, I think it was 108. Um, Poe's in second with 68. So that just tells you the difference in, in terms of her creative ability, shall we say. When we speak about Bunny and the season that she's having, do you not only just see her as a Golden Boot winner, but the, the player of the season as well? She's certainly a, a contender. There's absolutely no doubt. I mean, the thing about Bunny, she's got 18 goals in 19 matches. I mean, that's that's world-class goal scoring. In a, in a league, let's remember, this season, the quality of the league is so much better this season, right down the division, you know. I mean, Reading you know, we, you know, and West Ham, we beat comfortably, are not bad teams anymore. There's no mugs in our league anymore. So scoring goals in this league, um, you know, and you look, you know, her and, um, you know, her and Daly are way ahead of everybody else. Nobody else has scored more than 10 goals. You know, the two world-class strikers in our league are banging goals in for fun. The other, you know, the Russells and, and Cole are not, we're nowhere near them. And what Bunny brings to the team is two things. One, yes, that goal scoring ability. As Dave says, doesn't matter if it bounces off the backside or off a knee, she's, she's there to put it in. You know, she's in the right place. But what she does is create mayhem all day, all afternoon when she's playing. Uh, her positioning, her, her movement, her running, her strength, her, you know, her tactical awareness now in a very good team. The way she stretches defences, makes them worry, scared. You know, in the way that Harlan does over the road. You know, she, she does exactly the same stuff that he does. Clever runs, holding players up, holding the ball up, which we always struggled with holding the ball up in the past. She holds it up. She keeps the momentum going. She's just one of those players that every time you watch her, she seems to get better. She's a, you know, everyone says, oh, she's a big unit. You know, she's a bold battering man. No, she's a really, really clever, subtle player that understands how that team operates. And not only is to score goals for herself, He's trying to make goals for other people, trying to make space for other people. So that, you know, it's no accident Chloe Kelly and, um, you know, can come in and score goals from, from you know, because there's that space. You know, the, 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 Lauren Hemp scored that goal at the weekend because when he was creating all sorts of chaos in the, in the box, that's what she brings to the team. You know, I, I watch her and I just think it's a privilege to watch her, actually, because he's such a clever, such a subtle player. And... Another season going, you know, another season working with Sean, working with some of the other coaches, you can see her getting well over 20 goals next season. Um, because I think, as, as Dave rightly says, you know, Jeff, Jeff Park coming back in is going to, you know, get us even more goals. Uh, and if, if I've got one small criticism of the club, I think we, you know, we created we had 13 shots on target the weekend, scored four goals. We need to make that ratio a bit higher because we're not taking as many chances as we should. But that will come. Uh, but Bunny's just been brilliant, and if she, you know, she should be. I think she, she's, she should be player of the season. But if she doesn't, she'll be there or thereabouts, and, and and that's a credit to her and to her professionalism. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you think about that, Dave. I mean, even in the in the era of Nick Cushion, you know, we would create a lot of opportunities and struggle to put them away. But Nick would always say, "Well, at least we're creating the opportunities, Dave." Well, our manager is always going to look at it like that because the bigger problem would be if you weren't creating the opportunities. And I think so. I think that's a fair comment. You on on Sunday, for instance, against Reading, we certainly could have and probably should have scored more. Uh, the chances that we created, we we terrorised their back line. I think their their fullback was dizzy by the end of it, but. Um, we we got four, um, yeah, you know, we could have 
we could have, as I say, should have had more. But I would think it would be more of a problem if we weren't creating the chances, certainly with the players we've got. And it's, it's interesting what Paul says about Bunny. It's our all-round play. Um, a game I would... If anyone wants to see what Bunny's all about, other than the goals, if you watch the home game against Arsenal from a couple of months ago, where she didn't score in that game, but she was absolutely outstanding. She absolutely terrorised Arsenal's back line that day and created spaces for quite rightly, as Paul says, um, Chloe and Lauren, I think, got the goals that day and it create, helps play, players come in wide because of the work that Bunny does inside. And that that game in particular sticks in my mind as to what Bunny's all about, other than the fact that she's a fantastic goal scorer in her own right as well. Um, and she's certainly going to be in the running for all the, the, the awards at the end of the season, the Golden Boot, you know, the WSL Player of the Year. I know we're taking votes at the OSC at the moment for, for um, Player of the Year and she's certainly in the running for that. Um, as are a couple of other players. I mean, I don't know the numbers or anything at the moment because I'm not doing the counting, but, you know, votes have been piling in. And it's great to see. It's great <laughs> to see that we've got such a world-class uh, world-class striker, you know, and, and you build your team around players like that because football's about scoring goals and, 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 and winning games, and she does that. So yeah. I'm over the moon. I mean, let's get into the Reading game then because... Uh, we're obviously heading in the back off of that great win at home against West Ham. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're just coming back off the international break and, you know, there were a few errors and West Ham, you know, they got the two goals, but, you know, it was a a really good performance from City in terms of the goals that we scored. And, and again, Gareth spoke about, you know, not just becoming reliant on Bunny for getting those goals. So, we, you know, we had a good spray of goals again, which we've seen against Reading too. But, you know, Reading were always going to come to the to the Academy Stadium and give us a game because they've got something to fight for. In the in the opening minutes of the game, uh, West, West, uh, sorry, Reading go ahead through Trollsgaard. And it was a bit of a mess, really. I mean, there was a bit of a sort of Hasegawa lost the ball in the middle of play. Uh, it was intercepted by Reading and they just went on the counter and it just got a little bit sloppy and we were just, I, 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 it, it was a great attack from from Reading, but obviously to to go behind early on, Paul, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I agree. I, I, looking at that, that was the worst bit of defending I've seen for some time from, from City. It was just, it was, they just switched off. Uh, and then and then they got caught with a really good shot, um, which, you know, um, you know, the keeper could do nothing about. Um, and, you know, but after that, we had 80 before we scored the next goal, we had 82 percent possession. It's like it was the kick up the backside that they needed. And so, they, you know, they, they, they then turned that massive amount of possession, you know, 82 percent is huge into a goal. It was a bit of a bundled finish. But if you look at the way they, they set that first goal up, they played again out from the back through the phases through the midfield, knocking it about, playing it around, pulling them all over the place, and then knocked it across, bundled the ball in, great, you know. Um, and at that point, you just thought, right, they're back in the groove now, you know, ready and struggling, they're nervy because they're, you know, they may go down, you know, and they're a good team and they shouldn't, you know, they, they shouldn't be in that position. But nonetheless, they're getting nervy. We exploited that, you know, then Bunny knocks in a great header, you know, which is what she's brilliant at. Uh, the third goal, as I say, I thought was, was you know really impressive counter attack. You know, even the commentator on 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 the on on the t- on the TV was saying what a great attack it was. And then you know, uh, Steph, who is, I think banged bang back in form, knocks in one of her trades from out special. So it was one of those games where um, 
you know, we went behind early, early on, and but you never felt that we were not going to be able to control that game. As I say, and I think you know, Dave alluded to, we perhaps could have scored more goals, and that's something we need to work on for next season, converting those really good chances where the ball whips across the six-yard box into a goal. But you can't really be critical of a team that turns over, um, uh, you know, you know, a struggling but good team for one. So it was, a, it was a solid performance, I think, um, and, and probably a better performance than the West Ham game where we scored more goals because I think West Ham were, fell apart towards the end. So uh, all in all, I think, you know, when you look at the way we're playing football, the thing I think is really exciting about City at the moment is I like watching them. They're not just, uh, you know, you know, there'd be a temptation, just knock it down the middle to the big target, target woman in the middle and then let Bunny do, a, you know, a magic. They don't do that. They play good football. They play it through the phases. They play the sort of football you see right across the club. And that's that, for me, is the most exciting thing. They're playing entertaining possession football. But when they strike, they strike hard. Like Paul said, front to back, we were, we were really good. Um, and there's some really good partnerships um, showing out there as well. For, for me, obviously, Gareth didn't make too many changes. Obviously, Kiara Keaton... Uh, made way for Ellie Roebuck, who was back in goal on Sunday. But the likes of like Philippa Angledow, Casperi, you know, that are in the squad that are performing week in, week out, you know, that have had limited minutes this season, but are really showing their quality. I mean, how pleasing is that for you? Uh, yeah, Angledow is one that stands out. Um, you know, there was, there was a lot of people shouting for her to get a game. I mean, you watch her play for Sweden. Um, she's a very important player in the way they play and since she's come into City's team I think it has improved us it has improved the midfield um, thought she was excellent again on Sunday um, she links up the play um, she's powerful in there and she protects in a way some of the more um, skillful players that are in the middle of the park such as Hassan Gower who's also been fantastic for us this season um, so Angle Dahl's one that sticks in your mind Casper is another who comes in and she's She's attack minded. It links into the way City play through the channels and uh, and getting the wide players involved. Casper is certainly a, a modern fullback in that in that respect. It's all good to watch as Paul says. It's entertaining stuff, which you know we as fans want want to win. But you also got a football to be entertained and enjoy the way that a team play. And, and I think we can say we are doing that with City. And then that was the case on on, on Sunday. The, the, the most important thing, obviously, was to get the three points. Um, but to rack up as many goals as possible. And it was disappointing to concede the goal we did in the first minute. You know, as if we'd have come away, say, with a 4 0 rather than a 4 1, I'd have been over the moon to have got another four goals uh, on the goal difference, as it is, we've only got three. And But as Paul's, I agree with Paul, I think we've probably, um, it was a tougher game than, than the week before, even though Reading are lower than West Ham in the league. I think, you know, they, they, were, they were tougher, they were a little bit more organised at the back, maybe, than West Ham were a bit all over the place, especially late on in the game. So, I mean, it's two big wins at home on the trot, which is what we needed to get the goal difference closer to um, Arsenal's, for instance. If you look, I think it's three, I think there's a three goal difference now. And uh, this is what we need to do. We need to carry on winning these games and converting chances. It's Liverpool on Sunday and it's the same there. We need to, first and foremost, win the game, get the three points. And that's what Gallup's focus will be on but hopefully convert a few more chances and get a few more goals in the bank as well. Because it's that tight, it's that close in the league. It could come to it. 
Gareth, I keep talking about Gareth. <laughs> I don't know, I've got 101 quotes in, in my head from Gareth this week, but he said, you know, we don't want to be reliant on other teams. It's kind of about us. And that's <laughs> what mantra has always kind of been the city way, if you like. We have got to be focused now. You know, with three games left to play, we've, we've got to go out and get the best result that we possibly can if it should come down to goal difference. You know, we want to be, you know, we're in and around those places, perhaps, you know, we didn't think we would be at this point in the season, but here we are. And, you know, we've got something to play for, so we've got to give it everything. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you've got to, you've got to always have your, your own fortunes in your own hands. You know, we've played our way back from a, a really dodgy start to the season, really difficult, hard start to the season. You know, I, I keep, I've said it before, we'll say it again. We lost three world-class players in the, in the close season last season. Three, you know, Two of two of two of whom will be well, three of them, three of them will be starting for England in in the World Cup, you know. So we lost three outstanding players, and the way he shaped that team and the way he's brought players in to replace them aren't quite as well known and perhaps maybe not as you know um, you know well known across the game. But they're coming in and done the job for us. So we we've got it in our hands now. You know, we've got to beat Liverpool at the weekend, which I think we can do. We've got a really tough away. Uh, trip to United. Let's face it, they're playing well. They're a good team now and they're playing well. But I think, you know, I think they're, they're beatable. Uh, and then we've got, a, you know, a tough end of the season with Everton. I was at the Everton game away and, and it, they gave us a game. You know, that wasn't an easy game. That was a tough old game because they didn't you know, have got some quality players in that team. So, but having said all of that, there's nothing there that we can't beat the way we're playing at the moment. So we, we get the point on the board and then we see what the others do, and we put it in the ball back in their court. Arsenal will be rocking last night after you know losing so late in the game. That will knock their confidence. It'll knock their focus, and they've lost key players. Chelsea, we know are a good side and will come on strong, and I would say a favourite for the title. And we know United will, will, are not dropping points like they've done in the past. So all we can do is try and get those points on the board and say right. Come on, then. It's up to you now. The title is a possibility, uh, but Champions League is a must. If, if we were to win all three games and, and just miss out certain goal difference and finish fourth, worst case scenario, let's just look at it that way, you would still say it, it'll be judged that we're not in the Champions League then. And would that be judged a failure? I personally wouldn't think it would be this season if that was to happen because of the way we've played and how close it is and where we'd be. Uh, you know, but let's be positive and say, yeah, we can only as positive, we can only control our our games. So let's get nine points as hard as it is. Let's go for nine points out of these last three and see what that does for us. If it's not enough, it's not enough. It means our teams have outperformed us, and we did have a dodgy start. Obviously, we lost the first two games. I mean, one of them was Chelsea away, so it's possibly your toughest game of the, of the season on paper to play the champions away. Um, and we played well that day, but you know, ironically enough as well, but. Um, <clears throat> we can only control, you know, it's an old, the old cliche, one game at a time. We've got three games left. Let's just take them one at a time, starting with Liverpool, get the points on the board, score as many goals as we possibly can, put ourselves in the best position we possibly can to, to finish as high as we can. And hopefully that will be in the top three and, and put us in the uh, Champions Champions League places. Um, just before we move on to previewing that Liverpool game then, can we just talk about our skip? Um, because I think she deserves absolute credit. 
for how she's come into this season and performed the way she <coughs> has in recent games. You know, she's come on as a, a starting player and she's contributed two goals in the last two games and the team are really rallying behind her and so are the fans. And it's just great to see that Steph has got a smile back on her face again. I mean, what? where do we start with Steph? Seriously. I mean, I don't think, first first and foremost, I don't think it's a coincidence that the defence has looked better since she's been back in it. So as a player, um, as, as you know, just taking her football element of it on, on its own, I think she's improved the team, improved the defence. Um, then you take into the fact of what a leader she is, what a captain she is, and how she inspires those around her. Um, you, you can see that. You know, if you're playing alongside someone like Steph Orton, you, you, it's good, you're going to want to give her everything. You're going to want to, like she does. And it inspires those players to play better. That's my belief in that. And then just as a person as well, you know, the things that she's, the things that Steph's gone through, the experience she's got, good and bad. They all go into making her what she is. And I think we've seen that. She wears it on her sleeve and we've seen it on the pitch in the last two weeks. And we've seen it in the emotion, in the celebrations when she scored the two goals and what it meant to her, and what the club means well. to her. And the team as well, though, because I think the way the yeah. team, you know, went to Steph and you could see that it was pure, you know, you could see that it was pure and it meant a lot, not only to Steph, but to the players as well around her that, you know, want to see Steph, you know, in that position again. You have to look at it this way, you know, she, was, she, she, was, she wasn't starting at the start, you know, for quite a lot of the season and it would have been easy for, as a, you know, a someone who's done it all in the game, you know, she's got nothing to prove, she's won all the medals, won all the caps, she quite it would have been quite you know easy for her to to spit a dummy, sulk and you know feel you know that I, I'm you know I should be in this team, but she didn't. The model professional this year, she got on with it. The other players noted that they noted her leadership role. They noted the way that she was prepared to do whatever it took for the team. Since she's come back in, as Dave rightly says, she's looked like you know the player that we know she is. You know, world class defender. Now, stats are interesting. You know, in terms of, you know, positive moving the ball forward, she's up there with Millie Bright and all the others who are potentially in the England team. A passing accuracy is 85% against Leah Williamson's 80%. Now, I'm not having a go at Leah Williamson, particularly because of what's happened recently. But, the, you know, those numbers are really telling. You know, she passes the ball more accurately than, than other players that are supposedly, you know, in a better place to go at the World Cup. But more importantly, and as, as you rightly say, when she scored those goals, the joy on the other players' faces was, was really telling about what sort of person Steph is, what sort of professional Steph is. Because it's, it's, it's not just about the person, it's about you as a professional footballer. You set the standards in that dressing room. You know, Jill Scott was another one that set the standards. They set the standards. They show the leadership. They're bringing those young players through using all that experience. And for me, Steph has proved any of her critics wrong. She's come back as the player that she's always been, which is a world-class defender, in my view, uh, who brings a huge amount of experience and leadership to any situation. Um, and we should be very, very proud that we've been able to see her. Uh, and we should be very, very proud that she will leave our club as a city legend. You know, some of the women that have been in and out of the club won't be legends. She will be, because she's done it all to the highest possible standards. Despite all the stuff that's gone on around her, which would have crippled many people, she's stood up proud and done us proud, and we should be very proud of her, that we've seen her, 
we've seen one of the best defenders in the world for eight eight seasons now and and never ever once let us down never once and that's something that most players can't say i mean the the term legend is used quite loosely but it is so true dave without a doubt she is to to the women's side of the club what someone say like vincent company was to the men's you know it's a leadership it's you know uh, and those are the true legends of the club. The, the club have honoured the legends over at the Etihad with some statues. You know, I would be, I wouldn't be against a Steph Orton statue outside the Academy Stadium for exactly the same reason. I'm going to start a petition. Yeah, <laughs> doubt. you know, I mean, if, if you were to if, if you were to say straight away, you know, which women player would you put a statue outside the stadium? There isn't there isn't an argument, is there? It'd be Steph. That's that. She she epitomised. She's been there from the start of us being a professional team. She's led the team from the start. She's still there doing it now. She's done it in the last two games alone. So, you know, all these years later, she's still doing it and, and the qualities are there for everyone to see. And just her footballing ability is still there as well. You know, she makes the team play better. So on, on top of all that legendary status, her actual performances on the pitch are there as well. So it's amazing. She's, she's an amazing it's, player. It's interesting when you see that big picture of the first women's team on the side of the Etihad. The only yeah. one that's left is Steph Horton. You know, yeah. there's some dirty haircuts on on that uh, on that picture, but Steph's <laughs> there. She's the only one that stayed through. You know, going from a semi-professional setup to a professional setup to a professional WSL, and all that time she's been the anchor for that team through good and bad times. You know, she has been the one that's been had the continuity. But you know, said these are the values that we have as a club. These are the values we have in the dressing room. And that continuity, you can't buy. Plus the fact, through virtually all of that period, she's been at the top of her game. She's been a world-class defender, winning you know, over 100 England caps, never letting the national side down, never letting us down. And to be able to do that um, week in, week out, uh, I think, you know, it, you know, as you said, Emma, the... the the word legend is it's banded around a little bit loosely. But for those of us who've watched the women's game for a while, she is, without doubt, our club legend and will go down and such. And if, if they did have a statue outside, there would be nobody that knows anything about football that would dispute that that was a worthy um, marker of all the things she's done for our club. Definitely. Um, so let's move on to Liverpool then. Uh, this Sunday at Prenton Park, two o'clock kickoff. Uh, Dave, how are you feeling heading into this game? Obviously, Liverpool, a mid-table team. I think they're about seventh in the league at the moment. Um, have, a, have, have had a relatively good season since coming up to the WSL following their, the championship title last season. Um, obviously, the last game we played them, uh, Prenton Park was in the Conti Cup and we won 2-0. Um, it should be a relatively straightforward game for City, I feel. Well, it's a must-win game. There's zero two ways like that. We need the three points. Yeah, Liverpool have done okay. I think at the start of the season, they'll be. If you said to them that they would be mid-table, not involved in the scrap at the bottom to go down again, the first season back up, a lot of new players coming. Um, they'll be well happy. They're a bit up and down, aren't they? I mean, they got absolutely battered at weekend by Leicester. When I saw that score, I was surprised. Yeah. Certainly, being four 0 you know, because Leicester obviously fighting for their lives at the bottom. A big win for them. Um, so yeah, Liverpool. It's, it's, you would think we should go there, and we certainly go there as favourites to win. Um, play the way we've been playing, 
create the chances we've been creating in the last two home games, we they shouldn't, you know, we should be coming away with three points and some more goals. But, you know, you've got to take each game as, as, as it comes and, uh, and look at the strengths of the other team. And they have got strengths. They have got strengths in the, in the team, Liverpool, without a doubt. They've got some experienced players back in there. Um, Ex-City players, Mel Lawley there, Gemma Bonner, people like that, good players. Kerry Holland is a good player at Liverpool, who came through the ranks at City as a youngster, then went off to America for a scholarship and has come back. And Welsh International playing for Liverpool. And I believe she's had a good season. Uh, if you listen to some of the Liverpool fans who, who watched them week in, week out, she's played well. So they've got good players. So we need to go there, be professional, play play our game, play our way. Uh, and I would I would fancy us to come away with three points, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and not to be outdone by a, a Megan Campbell throw. Oh, Megan Campbell, yeah, I didn't mention <laughs> yeah. Megan. There's another quality player, yeah. Yeah, we need to be on the ball with those throw-ins, yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul, so, I mean... In terms of uh, predictions, um, you know, do you expect this one to be a bit of a goal fest or do you think we're going to be a bit more reserved? Well, as Dave says, it really depends which Liverpool turn up. If Liverpool turn up, with, you know, and play well, it won't be a goal fest. But if they did play like they did against Leicester at the weekend, it's the potential for a goal fest. Because let's face it, if Leicester can bang four goals in, we should be able to bang at least four goals in, assuming Liverpool play that badly again. I'm not making that assumption because they're at home. See that? I, I, yeah. No, I, I, you know, I, I never understood why we got rid of Gemma Bonner in the first place. I thought she was a really good player, um, you know, and and when when she went, I, I, I was disappointed. And it's great to see Megan Campbell back fit. You know, she had terrible, terrible injury problems at, with us, um, but you know, to her credit, she's battled through them. So it's great that she's back. I do fear those long throws, but you know, unless we've not been paying attention, we'll we'll, we'll be knowing, we'll be expecting that. So I think it's going to be uh, a tougher game than people might imagine, but I would fancy us to win at least at least two one three one potentially. Um, but if they fall to pieces, uh, we could get a few goals. But uh, number one priority is, as Garth says and as Dave rightly mentioned, win the game. Let's just win the game, put ourselves in the driving seat. We're going to uh, Lee Sports Village in the middle of nowhere um, to for the for the derby. Um, and you know, and and let's be let's be let's be clear while we're while we're at it. What a disgrace it is that they've changed the time. What a disgrace it, it, that one of the biggest games of the season between two of the biggest clubs in in the league now, it, they've decided at the last minute to change the time to make it virtually impossible for anyone who watches both the men's and the women's game to get across to that game. Absolutely great. United fans travelling up from London, of course. <laughs> well, in, well, indeed. I mean, they're going to be getting on really late, aren't they, for six forty-five? I mean, we know that, you know the last train out of, out of Manchester to Houston is probably about ten o'clock, so mm -hmm. the M6 will be busy. Yeah. Um, Dave, in terms of Sunday though, uh, and the squad, do you think we'll see many changes again? It seems that Gareth has been pretty happy with his squad in in recent games. Do you think we'll see anyone come in? Obviously, Demi's been available to on the bench, but we haven't seen her for a little bit. Do you think it might be a good time to get her back in the squad? Uh, I don't see many changes, to be honest with you, the way they've played well in the last two games. I think, barring any any knocks or any injuries, obviously, Ellie had to miss a game with a knock and things like that. So, barring that, I don't think we'll see too many changes, Emma. I think it might be pretty similar lineup as what we've seen. 
Demi's a bit unlucky, yeah, because you know she's on one nine nine appearances, Demi. So her next appearance will be a two hundred as well. So it'll be a big, big thing for her. And I'm sure she'll get that. I'm sure she'll come off the bench if she doesn't start at some point. So um, you know, there's another player that never lets us down, Demi. Look at the years of service she's put in. Um, but I, I'm not expecting massive changes. In, injuries aside, let's hope we, no one gets a knock or anything like that, or in training or anything. I'm expecting a pretty similar lineup to what we've seen the last two games. Are you been happy with the way that Gareth has been utilising the squad depth? Yeah, I have. Yeah, and I think um, you get to the business end of the season, and you, you see it a lot with um, in men's football. You're watching City. You see, you might rotate and everything, and earlier in the season a bit more to try and find and try and tinker with your team. Pep's notorious for the way he does it, but when it gets to this end, the business end of the season, you, you basically go with your best eleven or what you feel is your best eleven. Uh, and I think that's what we're seeing now because this is the business end of the season. You know, we're into the last three games now. So um, I think Gareth would consider the 11 he's been putting out to probably be his strongest. There's, there's a few arguments that, that, you know, people say, oh, Hayley Russell's a quality player who's on the bench. But Chloe and Lauren have been playing so well as well in the, in the, in the same position. I thought Hayley was great when she came on on Sunday um, in the second half. I thought she really affected the game and had a real go at Reading. So... You need quality players on the bench as well. It's unfortunate you could make an argument for some of those players starting games without a doubt because the the top quality. Um, but I, I'm not expecting too many changes certainly on Sunday. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see what he goes with. Russell was really unlucky actually. Literally, as you say, she came on and she was like a little pocket rocket. As soon as she got the ball, she was driving forward and she was unlucky not to score. To be fair, and that was like first touch of the game. You know, she was well involved. Yeah. In so. She's just one of those players, though. I just I put her in the same category as Becky, as uh, Claire Emsley. You know, there's three really good players there that, for me, should be playing week in, week out. And I fear that, obviously, Rasso is going to want more game time. But I, I understand the way she's used and, you know, way she's utilised within the squad. I worry about what kind of, what that sort of future looks like for Rasso in terms of the squad, because she's obviously struggling to with the quality that we've got within the squad to, to get in and, and, and get a start in that, within that starting 11, Paul. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, Dave mentioned earlier on, Jess Pat's coming back as well, you know. So, you know, she's put, she's now in the England team showing what what a quality young player she is. So that the, the battle for places is not going to get any easier. It's going to get tougher. You know, when you think about it, you know, like at the weekend, we were on... Castellanos, who's, who's a quality player. We brought on Rasso, who's a regular for the Australian team and is a quality player. And Mary Fowler, another regular for the Australian team, who's one of the best young players in the world, not just in, in, our, in, 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 their, in the Southern Hemisphere, but in the world. And she's, everyone knows how good a player she is. And they can't get in the team at the moment. So that shows how strong our, our squad is. And, you know, and in fairness, Kerry Keaton the other day, she didn't let us down. You know, she played really well when she came in. And, yeah. you know, she was playing out with her feet. She looked confident. You know, we've got three really good keepers now. You know, two of them in the England team. And I think Kara's probably the best young keeper in the country at the moment. So what's really encouraging from the team is that we've got a really strong squad, that we're not, that our bench is as strong as any bench in the league at the moment. You're right. People like Russell might decide they want to move on. 
And of course, players, you know, rightly, if they feel they're not getting enough game time, that's the reason they go half the time. But let's be clear, we've got a really big and strong squad now. And that is really, really important for next season when we should be challenging for everything. And particularly if we get in the Champions League, we need that squad depth because you're playing a lot more games. So I'm very comfortable with the squad rotation. I'm very comfortable with the way he's bringing the subs on. My only criticism, and it's the same criticism I have with Pep at times, sometimes it feels a bit too late in the game. You know, if you're bringing somebody on with 10 minutes to go, unless you're Lionel Messi or, or Ronaldo, you're not necessarily going to change the game in 10 minutes. But that, if that's the only criticism you have, when you're bringing on really good players who would walk into virtually any other team in the, in the WSL, um, then that, that's a good place to be, I think, rather than thinking, oh, I've got to bring some you know, untried young, young kid on. You're bringing on quality internationals who know how to play football. That's great. You know, that's really encouraging. So, Dave, Sunday, the RC putting on the coach. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that and how fans can get involved? Yeah, we've upgraded the coach to a much bigger one, Emma, as well. So there's a few spaces left. Anyone can book on. There's a member's fee and a non-member's fee, so you don't have to be a member to come. What I would say is, if you want to book on, uh, don't hang about because the seats are going really fast. We do have a couple of you left. The best way to do it is to either contact our treasurer, Jude, which is at Jude Morris King on Twitter, DM her or contact her direct and she can book you on, or just do it through the OSC Twitter, MCWFC underscore OSC, and, and DM us on there and we can sort you out. It'll be going from the Blue Car Park. I'm not quite sure of the time, but... Um, it will go go for the blue park uh, car park Sunday morning. Leave your car there, and we'll bring you back after the game. It's nice that it's a local-ish game. You know, we were used to London games and kicking off at half twelve and having to leave at six o'clock in the morning and all things like that. This one's a bit more. Hey. Get lying. <laughs> yeah, this is it. You know, for an away game, Liverpool's not. You know, he gets so used to these London games and Brighton at Crawley and Bristol and the Cup, and we're all down the other end of the country. So it's nice to have uh, the last two away games. You know, um, a local. Unfortunately, as Paul says, there's a lot of issues around the United game for a lot of fans, with the men being at home at the same time, and that's it's old. You know, you know how many times we've covered that on here. So these clashes. But yeah, for Sunday. Liverpool, yeah, hopefully, you know, there'll be a lot of Blues making their own way there as well. So we can have a nice big turnout. There's a there's an away end. I don't know if people know, but on Liverpool's website, you get a ticket. There's an away section there. The cow sheds, apparently. Um, so, yeah, we can all we can all get together and uh, really get behind the team on Sunday. It should be a good day out. Definitely. Are you, you, you said you're going, Paul. Are you getting, getting to the yeah. game? Yeah. I am. Um, uh, I'm hoping to go to more games, away games next season, but I'm really looking forward to this. There was a, there was a great atmosphere at the Everton game, which I was uh, early in the season. You know, good set of fans there, you know, a uh, loyal set of fans. Uh, I think there'll be really, really good atmosphere at the weekend with a good city turnout. And, uh, you know, Liverpool have got a good, solid support. And, you know, um, I said it'd be good fun, um, you know, and I think it'd be great atmosphere, you know, and, and it's great to travel with, with other fans uh, because, you know, you get to know people, you get to get a sense of, you know, their, why they're involved in, the, you know, in following women's football. Um, and it's just a great day out. So if, if, you, if you know, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's, it's 12 quid for members and I think it's about 18 quid, something like that for um, uh, non-members, which is cheaper than a train fare. Um, and it's just a great atmosphere, great day out. Um, and it's nice to visit other grounds as well and, and see, you know, 
see see how privileged we are in a lot of ways um, with the setup that we've got. You know, sometimes you you can get a bit get a bit blasé about the academy stadium, but we've got a fantastic setup. And when you go to other clubs, you realise that it's not quite the same. Um, and it does give you a sense of humility, I think, and a sense of you know the importance of growing every team in the WSL so that we have a league that is really really competitive. At, you know, at, at all levels, which is happening now. Uh, and that's that's I think one of the great things of the last three or four seasons. We've gone from teams that we used to batter regularly to teams that now give us a real test every time we turn out. And that's how the league should be. It's we should be at the same standard as the Premier League in the men's game where anyone can win. Um, and that's what we're aspiring to. And and being able to go and support those clubs uh, and turn out in big numbers as away fans, I think it's a really important uh, message of solidarity to fans at other clubs. Oh, definitely. I think on that note, it's uh, we'll leave it there because that's a nice way to finish. But Paul, Dave, thank you so much for joining me. Obviously, it's been a while and I'm, I am sorry about that, but I am really, really pleased that we're back with the podcast uh, and we're going to see out the rest of the season. Uh, thank you both for joining me. Thanks, Emma. It's, it's nice to have you back as well. It's nice to yeah. be back on the podcast. Good to be back. Next Sunday's matchup between Manchester City and Liverpool at Prenton Park is one not to be missed. However, if you can't get to the game, you will be able to watch live on the FA Player. Kickoff is 2pm. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Dave and to Paul for joining me on this week's show. We'll be back next week with some post-match Liverpool analysis and a Derby Day preview as we head to Lee Sports Village for our penultimate game of the season. If you're not already, make sure you're following us on social media at MCW Fancast, and we'll be back next week.